Good morning and welcome everyone to today's focus for Tuesday, December the 13th, 2022 at 1019 a.m. Central Time. Today's focus, spiritual growth, wait for it, wait for it, spiritual growth defined, spiritual growth defined. Now, yesterday for the Today's Focus program, we kind of introduced our this the subject of spiritual growth. It's, it's fast approaching the end of the year, so different churches, different ministries, uh, different podcasts will be talking about, hey, how did you grow in 2022, and how can you grow even more in 2023 in your spiritual life? Spiritual growth will be talked about a lot over the next few weeks, really over the end, through the end of December into January, there will be a lot of discussion about it. There'll be lots of things being sold by Christian ministries to facilitate, to help your spiritual growth. You need this notebook. You need this journal. You need this book. You need this study guide. You need this devotional. Churches will be getting everyone excited. Hey, coming up in 2023, you need to join a community group. You need to join a small group so that you can grow in a way that you've never grown before spiritually. And, and it's going to be, it, everyone's going to be talking about it. And whenever I start thinking about spiritual growth, I know I can't be the only one. I start having lots of frustration and irritation, and I get kind of bothered by the subject. And so we started really trying to figure out what is spiritual growth. And remember, I gave everyone some questions. Now, I, 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 I kind of mentioned some of these questions in the Today's Focus episode. And if you remember yesterday, the Today's Focus episode then turned into a separate episode on the Theology Central podcast about spiritual growth, where we reviewed an episode of the Charles Stanley podcast, which really sparked this entire discussion and conversation. So it, it, it's, I, I hope you're starting to see how things develop here for this podcast. I try to start the day with today's focus, which is supposed to be around 15 minutes. And sometimes that gives you insight into, well, I know what we're going to be talking about. I know what's going to be discussed all day on the, uh, the Theology Central podcast. It's going to be that subject right there. Now, sometimes it doesn't work that way. Sometimes today's focus is kind of a standalone. It's by itself. But you never know when I, whenever you hear that theme music for the Today's Focus podcast series and you hear me start, sometimes I, that's going to give you the clue we're going to be talking about. He's going to be talking about that when I say we, because I just see you as a part of the podcast. We're going to be discussing that for the next few days because sometimes that's what happens. So yesterday, in between the Today's Focus and the other podcast, I gave us some questions about spiritual growth. What is spiritual growth? How do we measure it? What causes spiritual growth to occur? And does the church help or does the church hinder? Those are the questions I, I, I started giving you to start thinking about and started to start contemplating on, meditating on, and, and hopefully I wanted it to spark some good discussion. It did spark some good discussion in the Discord channel. That was good. There was some really good stuff there. And it seems some other people are just as perplexed and confused 
by the whole subject as I am. I got a few good emails, but this is a very important topic. Spiritual growth, what is it? How does it occur? How do we even measure it? Does the church help or does the church hinder? Those are important questions. So today, for this episode of the Today's Focus podcast series, we're going to try to define what is spiritual growth. Now, we listened to kind of a definition given by Charles Stanley. This one offers a different one, and this definition comes from something that someone posted in the Discord channel. Now, it, it's made for children, but I think I, I kind of like the approach of, of looking at something made for children because this is trying to break it down into the most basic elements to help us really, really understand what is spiritual growth. And, and I'm going to just be honest with you. <laughs> this thing drives me absolutely crazy because we're going to run right back into a problem that we've talked about so much here on this podcast. But are you, are you ready? Here we go. The article... What is spiritual growth? What is spiritual growth? How would you define it? Here is the answer, according to the article. Spiritual growth is a journey to become more like Jesus. It's a journey to become more like Jesus. Now, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that definition, I, I don't. I, I think we all, as Christians, we want to become more like Him. We want to grow into His likeness. We want to glorify Him. We want to please Him. There is that desire to want to, to want to. We desire to be like Him. But again, exactly how do you measure it? Because it, it, it's it's such a it's such a convoluted thing. And I know when I say that, some of you are going to disagree, but just hear me out. Any way that I measure my life and say, see, I'm more like Jesus, you realize I, I have to really just focus on one area, right? It's, it's really weird the way we play this game. We'll take one area of life. Well, I'll just, I'll, just, I'll, give, I'll give an example of a man. We'll just, I'll just use a, a random man for an example. Let's say there's a guy, he's been going to church, right? He he gets saved, he's been going to church, and he's trying to grow as a Christian, right? And for him, the sin that is just becoming a major problem in his life, he's bothered by it, he's convicted by it, he's struggling with it. Let's say it's pornography. We'll just use that one because so many men in the church struggle with pornography, right? And he and he's like, man, I'm struggling with porn. I don't need to look at porn. I got to stop looking at porn because I, there's been many a men who struggle with it and they struggle and struggle and stumble and fall and they feel shame and they feel embarrassment. And they feel guilt. They don't feel like they can tell anyone. They kind of kind of keep it secret. They try to find a few people to confide in. It's supposed to be a secret thing and they're struggling and they're struggling and they're struggling and they're struggling. Now for them, sometimes this happens. Now listen, listen, this is very important. Listen to me carefully. That issue becomes the issue of their Christian life, right? They, they, in other words, they define their entire spirituality. They define spiritual growth really in light of that one sin. So if they, if they, if they were able to, to gain some victory over it, to control it, to put safety barriers around them, whatever is required, and they feel like that they get there, they will say, see, I'm growing spiritually, and that sounds good. And most people would applaud and go, yes, praise God. He's giving you victory over that sin or whatever terminology we'll use. Oh, you did it. This is great. But the problem is, do you see how 
convoluted it is and measuring it that way. You're focusing on one sin while you're trying to gain victory over that other, that one sin. And sometimes that's all your focus. There can be a million other issues in your Christian life where you're sinning in this way and this way and this way and this way. And, and when I say this, people say, so you're saying you shouldn't worry about the pornography. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that we we begin to measure our entire spiritual life. We begin to measure our entire spiritual growth on the basis of one sin. And so if we gain any ground in that one sin, we see that we have grown spiritually, but literally there could be a hundred other sins, a hundred other areas where we're actually getting worse. So if you're getting better in one area, but worse in another area, is that growth? Or do you measure growth where in this area I I improved 60% and this up but in this other area I I got worse 70%. Well then then that's not growth, is it? But see it will our entire spiritual life will be defined our entire Christian life will be defined by that one sin. And I think that's problematic. Because I think it gives us a I think it gives us a false sense of spirituality. I think, I, think, I think if you get that victory over, say, pornography, then you're like, I thank you, Lord, that I'm not like other people who struggle, or I thank you that I'm not like I used to be. But you're just like you used to be, just maybe it minus that one area. In fact, you may be worse than you used to be in other areas. Maybe then you gain victory, and then you become spiritually prideful. Like, how do you... See, it's, it's so... It's so weird how Christians measure it. So I do believe that, hey, spiritual growth, it is a journey to become more like Jesus. The problem is, how do we even measure that? How do we even try to process what that looks like? Now, this article continues. Spiritual growth takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. Well, I agree. It, it, it's a process. It takes time. I don't know if there's a way to even measure it other than sometimes we focus on one particular sin, but, but here's the thing that drives me crazy. And, and I know when, oh, I know this puts me in conflict with so many Christians. So, so, but I, I just, I have to deal with it. All right, here we go. Now back to this article. Again, it's written for kids, but it really gives us kind of the basic elements here that, that shows up whether it was written for kids or written for, written for adults. Spiritual growth takes time. We can all agree on that. It doesn't happen overnight. We can all agree with that. But here's the problem I start struggling with. The Holy Spirit is the one who helps us to grow and become more like Jesus. God gives us everything we need for spiritual growth. All right, now, I got I to think about this. All right, so here I am. I'm a Christian. I want to grow spiritually. Typically, we define, typically we compare spiritual growth basically to, you know, sinning less and becoming more righteous and becoming more godly or becoming more like Jesus. So there's a moral element to spiritual growth. There's a, and we almost always view spiritual growth in, in, in terms of some kind of morality. I'm stopping this sin. I'm becoming more righteous or more holy in this area. We almost always connect it to some morality. All right. Then we come along and say, okay, okay, okay. The Holy Spirit who's inside of you, he helps you grow. All right, now, immediately when I make that claim, whether we intend to do this or not, I am claiming that I now have a power that other people do not possess. 
And that power is the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. The, the Holy Spirit is God, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Th uh, one God, three distinct persons who are co-equal and co-eternal. Trinitarian understanding, right? Trinitarian theology, biblical theology. Now, that means the Holy Spirit then is all-powerful, omnipotent, all-powerful. So I have the all-powerful God dwelling inside of me that is constantly, we are constantly told, who is now giving me the power is the one helping me in my spiritual growth. Now, as soon as I say that, you know what I'm going to say. Well, if I have that power and that power is helping me grow, then I then you it would be impossible for you to say that I could not be then sinless. It would be impossible for you to say that I could not reach perfection because I supposedly have omnipotent power helping me. So what we say is you have omnipotent power, but you'll never be perfect. Well, wait a minute. If I have omnipotent power, why can't I be perfect? And if I if I can't be perfect and I can't be sinless, well, then there's a limit to that power. So what can what does the power give me the ability to do or not do? Some Christians will say he gives you the power to say no to sin and yes to God. Well, then that means I can be perfect. And if you say I can't be perfect, then that means there's a limit to the power. So what power do I have or what power do I not have? And how come the power shows up to supposedly give me victory over one sin while I'm falling and failing and 50 other sins? How does that work? And then it says, God gives us everything we need for spiritual growth. Over time, God will help us make good choices and we will make bad choices less, less often. So here's what happens. Over time, now I don't know why it takes time, but God is going to help you make good choices and you're going to make bad choices less often. So supposedly as a Christian, you now have supernatural power so that you can make good choices and you'll make less bad choices less often. How, how do you quantify that? And again, so so if, if, I have, if God is the one who's giving me the power to do this, then at some point you think then I would never make another bad choice. So it, does God just simply present the power and say, hey, here's the power to make good choices. You just have to grab onto the power. You'll make good choices. So then when I make a bad choice, it's not that I don't have the power to make good choices. I just somehow chose not to use said power. Well, then why wouldn't that power change my want to? Like, I, like I, again, we've been talking about these issues in so many different podcast episodes. Now, they mentioned the fruit of the spirit will grow in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, I think it is important that we need to consider the relationship between spiritual growth and quote-unquote spiritual fruit. They go on to say, you can measure your spiritual growth by how much fruit of the Spirit you're seeing in your life. Are you patient? Are you kind? So now this is what it turns into. Okay, your spiritual growth is determined or measured by your spiritual fruit. All right, so you look at your, now, now you got, now when you look at your spiritual fruit, you have to really look at it. You have to look at it from its external 
manifestation to its internal reality inside of you. So many areas to consider. And it says you can increase your spiritual fruit by praying for God's help. So, hey, if you want to, so, and again, oh, this just drives, this is so just convoluted. All right, so, okay, so God gives me the power. All right, he gives me the power. But if I want to grow more spiritual fruit, I have to pray for God's help. If I pray for God's help, then I'm going to produce more spiritual fruit. So if I pray for God's help, well, then how much spiritual fruit? At some point, if I have the power of the Holy Spirit, and then I ask God's help between the power of the Holy Spirit and God's help, you think I would just be, my entire life would just be 100% manifestation of spiritual fruit that's recorded in Galatians 5, 22 to 23. So why is my life constantly identified not by that spiritual growth or by that spiritual fruit, but by sin? And you say, well, your life is all messed up. Yours does as well. They go on to say, uh, reading the Bible and applying it to your new life will also help you. So, so you have the Holy Spirit that gives you power. You pray, God will give you help. And then you have the Bible. And if you will read the Bible and apply it, you will grow spiritually. So we have all of these things that's supposed to be, that's supposed to be, make this work. We have the Spirit. He's giving us power. We ask God for help. He will help us. Uh, we uh, have the scriptures. So we have the Holy Spirit. We can ask God and we have the Bible. And through all of this, we should grow spiritually. But then someone's going to say, however, you can't be perfect and you can't be sinless. I don't understand then what this power actually accomplishes. And isn't it such a weird game the way we play it? We look at one area and go, see, God is helping me. God is doing it. And you're like, well, if God is the one doing it, then what about all the other areas where you're failing? Is God not doing it? Well, no, that's your fault. So if, it, if, it, if, if I grow spiritually, it's God. And if I don't grow spiritually, it's me. But God doesn't have the power to overcome me. <laughs> the, 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 these are real questions, right? Now, I'm, we're, we're already over time. I'm just going to give us one scripture to, to focus on. So, so, so our definition here that they've, they're giving us, and I can agree with the definition to some, in some degree, that basically spiritual growth is us over time becoming more like Jesus. Okay, I got that. But it, I'm still left, left with many questions. But here's the scripture they provide here. They, they call this section the Bible truth. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. I know this is supposed to only be 15 minutes. I apologize. I will tell you that we will be reviewing the next part of the Charles Stanley message uh, here soon. We'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and review that here because I think it will just add to this overall discussion on spiritual growth, all right? 2 Peter chapter 1, I'm going to start in verse 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of, our, of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now here's verse 3, 2 Peter 1, 3. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us 
to glory and virtue. Now, when it says according to his divine power, he's given to us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. What does that mean? Second Peter 1, 3. How do you understand Second Peter 1, 3? How do you interpret Second Peter 1, 3? Because the way most people interpret it goes something like this. By his divine power, God has given you everything you need to leave, to live and lead or to live a godly life. That he has given, he's, by his divine power, he's giving you everything you need to live a godly life. Now that sounds wonderful. That sounds great. But then you have to say, well, what does that mean? Because, because again, Christians play this. It's almost like a, a bait and switch kind of game, right? All right. So here you go. God's giving you all the power you need to live a godly life. Everything you need. He's giving you his spirit. He's giving you his divine help. He's giving you his intercession. He's giving you the word. You have everything you need. Okay. So then can I be perfect and can I be sinless? No, you cannot. All right, so so I have all of this power and all of this help and all of this assistance and I have all of these wonderful things, but I can't be sinless. No. All right, so there's a limit to this power. Well, no, it's omnipotent power, but you limit it. Well, if I limit it, why can't God overcome my the limitations that I'm implying upon it? Because then that would mean I'm I have a greater power than the power that's given to me. Well, that falls apart. And if I can't be perfect, clearly there's a limit to the power. So then exactly what this power is supposed to do. And the best we can come up with in the church is, well, you'll sin less. You'll just sin less. Okay, what, 20% less, 50% less? And at some point, if I continue to sin less and less and less, why wouldn't perfection be the possibility. And why is it that in 2000 years of church history, all we see within the lives of believers is over and over and over, it's characterized by sin. Because again, all you, if you look at the totality of what sin is, is when you fall short in any way, shape, or form to God's holy standard. You know what I'm going to say? Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. No one pulls that off. So am I getting power to do that or not? Love your neighbor as yourself. No one pulls that off. So do I get power or not? Be ye holy as he is holy. Do you get help to pull that off? Those three scriptures, those three concepts, love God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. Love your neighbor yourself and be ye holy as God is holy. Everyone falls short of those continually. So am I getting the help to do that or not? Now, I do believe God has given me everything. He has given me everything I need. And what he's given me is an imputed righteousness. What he has given me is the forgiveness of sins. What he's given me is his Holy Spirit to seal me unto the day of redemption, to keep me. I do believe God has given me everything because I live a perfect godly life in my position in Christ. In Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation. In Christ, I keep the law. In Christ, I am obedient. In Christ, I am holy. But if you say that he's given me what I need to live my Christian life in a practical way so that I can basically be, I don't know, 
I can be everything but a per- perfect or godly, but nobody can really define exactly how much power I have or don't have and why we, why we continue to sin and why we continue to fall. And it becomes this weird, like, well, you have power, but I mean, you can, you can stop it. Well, then that means my power is greater than that power. So you're going to say I'm greater than God. Well, no, 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 no. You're not greater than God. But then, then they'll try to say, but, but God won't make you be godly. Well, okay. Well then exactly how does this work? And the minute you say, well, the power is there, all I have to do is want it, you're going to tell me in 2,000 years of church history, no Christian has ever truly wanted the power enough to be sinless? And then you'll come back and say, well, no, 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 the power is never designed to make you sinless. Look, you, that, that's the most convoluted back and forth thing I've ever heard in my life. So I, I want you to just focus on 2 Peter 1.3. I've kind of given you a little idea of how I think we should approach it. Look at the context. What, what do you think about 2 Peter 1.3? What do you think? What do you think? And if spiritual growth is us becoming more like Jesus, are we given some supernatural power to make that happen? And how, how, what's the limit on that power? How does that power work? All right, we're 25 minutes in. We're supposed to have stopped at 15 minutes. <laughs> I don't do, I, I have to get better at the Today's Focus podcast uh, episodes, episodes. I have to get better at it, but there you have it. Today's Focus spiritual growth, that gets, uh, gets us started. We'll do a little bit more discussion as we review the next uh, podcast episode from Charles Stanley as he talks about it. We, we're not reviewing it because I agree with his theology because I definitely don't. We're reviewing it just because, well, it's what I heard at two o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to think about spiritual growth. And now it's led to all of this discussion that we're having here on the podcast. All right. Today's focus, spiritual growth defined, but still not completely understood because I have many, many questions on this Tuesday, December the 13th, 2022. <laughs> 